I'm Warren Berkeley with the Laurel Heights Church of Christ in McAllen, Texas, and these recordings are provided on our website for your learning and your edification. Have your Bible ready, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. It is sad to witness someone going through a serious disease, to be disabled, to undergo long-term treatment, to have cancer reoccur, or to face death. It is troubling when some accident or injury occurs, leaving someone forever changed. I feel certain there are people listening to this audio recording going through difficult times with physical issues concerned about loved ones needing our prayers. But here is what we all find extremely sad. Somebody who was once at peace, performing at full steam, pleasant to be with, an example of maturity, joy, zeal, serving the Lord, but they've lost their joy. Now, all they can talk about is how angry they are, how bitter they are, how unfortunate their circumstances are, how almost everything and everyone has turned out to be just rotten. They've lost their joy. Crudely put, their attitude stinks. Help is needed. God provides exactly the help we need. I'm going to take us to Ephesians 4, 17 through chapter 5 and verse 1. Please take a moment and get your Bible ready. Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 17, reading over through chapter 5 and verse 1. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles walk in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off the old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. 
and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I need to say this. If your attitude isn't right, I don't think you can fix anything else. Everything else in your life depends upon the content of your heart, how you think, how you see things, your moods and inner reflections. If your attitude isn't right, I don't think you can fix anything else. Your relationships, your performance of responsibilities, your worship, your participation with other Christians, your function as a servant, most important, your relationship with God. You cannot honor and praise God. You cannot be close to Him and obey Him if your mind is loaded with bitterness. You cannot grow spiritually. You cannot have a good hold on the joy of being a child of God. It was not just to take up space on the page that the Holy Spirit wrote in Proverbs 4.23, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it, flow the springs of life. If we will learn what the Bible says about mental content, what's in your mind, healthy attitudes, if we will commit to those teachings, if we will check our attitude with careful, regular discipline, if we will resist bitterness and embrace humility and shun selfish ambition, if we will come back to Scripture and review this teaching over and over again, we can navigate life on earth as a mature servant with joy that is complete, with a mind that is focused, with the right affection and sympathy. Paul says that putting off bad attitudes and putting on good attitudes is our constant challenge as people who no longer walk in the futility of their minds. So let's study from this text, and I'll nail down some practical actions for every one of us. To begin, when you obeyed the gospel, as you came up from the water, there should have been clear intention to no longer walk or live as you did before. There was, in the vernacular of Paul's day, something that might be called a Gentile lifestyle, that was not an insult to a group of people. Paul's readers knew exactly what he meant. In Jewish thought, that term was associated with not serving God, the state or condition of one not serving God, not being his child. In verses 17 and 18 here in Ephesians 4, Paul leaves little to the imagination about life before conversion. He describes that manner of life that is left when you obey the gospel. That manner of life that you leave when you obey the gospel. 
Notice some of these words and phrases about life before becoming a Christian. In the futility of their minds. That's a state of mind that is futile, vain, of no value. It is wrong thinking. It is wrong feeling. If your mind is not informed by God's word, if the mind God gave you is not programmed by the word he gave you, there is, as a result, futility. Verse 18 helps us understand this darkened in their understanding. God's word provides light for your mind. If you block that light, the result is futile thinking, wrong attitudes and actions, darkened in their understanding. When you obey the gospel, you leave darkness and you start walking in the light. Further, the way of life you left when you were baptized was not connected with God, alienated from the life of God. The next key words you see in verse 18, ignorance and hardness represent the condition, the state of mind of one not serving God, living in sin. Paul is saying to Christians in Ephesus, that was then. You are a Christian now. You can't walk that way. You can't think that way. You left that futile way of life, that darkened understanding when you were baptized into Christ. You left all that. If you drift back into that way of life, you re-alienate yourself from God, and it will affect your mind, reintroducing darkness. You will no longer be embracing the joy of being God's child. Those who live in sin or return to that futility without repentance can become callous and give themselves over to sensuality or licentiousness. What can happen then is all manner of greed, and various kinds of impurity. The main idea of this text is don't go back. It is dark and futile and immature. Listen again in Ephesians 4, verses 17 through 19. 17 through 19. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of immaturity. The, the simple primary thought in the text is don't go back. You should no longer walk as the Gentiles walk. The terms used by Paul describe what you left when you were baptized. Futility, darkness, alienation, ignorance, hardness, callous, greedy, impurity, corrupt. Don't let anything or anyone lead you back to that life you left when you obeyed the gospel. When you obeyed the gospel by the grace of God, you were able to leave all that behind and embrace a new way of life. Now, in obeying the gospel, you express your faith and your intention to let God have your life from the inside out. Verse 23, renewed in the spirit of your mind. 
This word mind keeps coming up in this passage because the mind is that which receives the truth of the gospel. The mind renders the choice to be baptized into Christ. The mind makes the decision to repent of sin. The mind is then enlightened by the gospel. The mind then directs you to live what you learned in Christ. The mind is where this happens first. You put off the old self, the old man. You put on the new self, the new man, and you keep the new man pure and active and in good condition by letting God and his word have a continual presence in your mind. So after I obey the gospel, if I discover that my attitude is drifting, my attitude stinks, my attitude needs adjustment, my joy is lost, my zeal is disappearing, that is fixed by applying the word of God in your mind, like we're doing here right now and on all of these recordings and live streams. That's the only way to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And that's the only way to keep the old person dead and the new person alive and healthy. Don't go back. Don't let darkness and futility back in your mind. The life you left, the life that you departed from when you were baptized, don't go back. So determined to not go back, these very simple things emerge. Don't lie. Don't steal. Don't let anger lead you into sin. Those transgressions are pathways back into the life you left. Watch what you say and what you do, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. In Ephesians 4, listen again, 25 to 30. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption." Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. What is Paul doing? Paul identifies trails that take you back into the life that you left when you obeyed the gospel. One step back can lead to another and another, and you're moving in the wrong direction down a pathway that leads you to the life you left when you were baptized. Now, we have arrived at the specific teaching that addresses attitude in verses 31 and 32. Let's open our ears to that again in Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. 
Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Bitterness. Have you ever noticed in the Bible how groups of words tell the story? We are sometimes focused on single words, and we do word studies. We take a dictionary out and look up the word and see where else that word might be used. There's value in that, but I tell you, sometimes when you look at a string of words in a phrase like this, the group of words contains the message rather than just isolated words. Bitterness is the condition of mind where you are enraged within, a spirit of resentment. Somebody upset you by their words, maybe their silence, their coldness, or some direct offense or imagined offense. What may happen is you do nothing but deposit that thought in your attitude archive. And every time something similar happens from that offender or another offender or some negative circumstance, you just deposit that in your memory, in your attitude archive. And as that archive is expanded, as it is swollen, overflowing, bitterness can trigger and that leads to wrath. The biblical term has an association with fire, burning, boiling. Your heart, your mind becomes a roaring furnace. This is spiritual heartburn. When the attitude archive reaches a certain weight, a critical mass, do you see how the words, as they are stringed together here, really speak of something we know about? Before we define the individual words, when we look at the whole group, we know what this is about. And if you don't put the brakes on here, anger or fury, seething within, a strong feeling of antagonism which comes out expressed in some outburst. One translation says, a hot retort. Clamor is not a word we use today. Uh, did you do any clamoring last week? Maybe you did. Maybe you didn't. Another word used is brawling, which sounds to me a lot like bawling or yelling. It's noisy. When you yell or become violent, your bitterness and wrath and anger has driven you to that ugly, noisy place a place about which Paul said in verse 20, this is not what you learned from Christ. In English dictionaries, you'll find an entry like this, a loud and confused noise, especially that of people shouting vehemently or posting on Facebook. No, I, that's not there. I just added that. Again, it is clear just reading the passage, there is a progression, a pattern, a chain of thought, that has no good result. Dangerous trails back into what you left when you obeyed the gospel, what you renounced. Slander or evil speaking is a further step in this attitude, now out of control, to speak against someone, not to help them 
or convert them or even rebuke them rather to hurt, which takes us to malice. It just gets worse as you read through the list. Malice is that foul disposition where you take delight in inflicting injury. It is ill will. See, you let all these offenses build up in your attitude archive, and the archive becomes swollen, and it explodes. It reached overload. Burning anger found expression in slander and evil speaking, and now you are out to hurt somebody. You don't get here overnight. It is gradual, a trail that isn't steep. You wander down, taking you back to what you left, back into the sin Christ saved you from when you obeyed the gospel. In this process, your zeal for God and your joy as a Christian has has been suppressed, and what takes over is negative perspective, rage, and all the sin the devil can now bring into your life. And every step in this process is a step away from God. We need help from God to deal with issues of attitude. From this text, I have four focus points from God for our attitude to keep us from this loss of joy and inner misery. Think of these as roadblocks to keep us from going back. Number one, slow down. I think one of the habits the devil wants me to develop is being impulsive. The devil wants me to quickly take everything into my mind, nothing filtered, and then quickly react. The devil wants me to send letters and emails without review, quickly hit the send button. The devil wants me to be thoughtless and impulsive and reactionary. God wants us to be thoughtful, self-controlled, giving heed to these words in Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Associated with this is in James chapter 1. Attitudes are often destroyed by quick temper, spontaneous, impulsive. The help we need is in statements from Christ in the New Testament. For instance, in James 1 and in verse 19, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Slow down. Think through your reactions. Often your first reaction, your first thought is not the best, a valuable roadblock to keep you from going back into sin is to simply slow down. Think, pray, review, discipline. Number two, guard against bitterness and outburst by relying on what Christ taught you. Verse 13 after describing the old manner of life that is alienated from God, Paul says this is not the way you learned Christ. I want you to turn to Matthew 18. 
I'm offering an example of what Christ taught us that will preserve good attitude and keep us and others out of a lot of trouble. In Matthew 18, I'm reading 15 through 18. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. One way to look at this is Christ is teaching his people how to guard their hearts against continual bitterness. Instead of having a negative attitude archive that is loaded, where you remember and hold on and keep score of offenses, remember what Christ taught you to do. You can call this Christ Conflict Resolution Method. Faithfully applied, it will keep bitterness and stored up offenses from causing your attitude to stink. Consider the faithful use of Matthew 18 to be part of the roadblock that keeps us from going back into sinful attitudes. Number three, watch your mouth. Verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but also such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear you. We are talking about letting God help us with our attitude. But I tell you, in the Bible, mind and tongue are attached. What you think certainly generates a certain kind of speech. It is also true guarding your speech is contributing to fixing a bad attitude. It has happened to every one of us. We said something and immediately recognized it as imparting no grace to the hearer. What we have done is we have discouraged ourselves by our own mouth. If we will form better habits of speech, those habits repeated over and over will contribute to fixing our attitude. Speech is powerful. The Bible says the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Number four, we need to concentrate on being imitators of God. At the end of Ephesians 4, you need to not stop, but just keep reading. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Here's something we can nail down. The closer I am to God, the better my attitude. I've said many times about this passage, don't stop reading at the end of chapter 4. You want to be kind, tender-hearted, and forgiving? 
be an imitator of God. My determination to be like God is a huge roadblock that keeps me from going back to the futility of mind that I had before I obeyed the gospel. God will help you with all of this if you'll trust in him and stay with him. In Isaiah 41.10, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So go back after this recording and read Ephesians 4.17 all the way into chapter 5 in verse 2. That's our challenge, and it will help you. Read it several times this week. There is nothing to compare with having the Word of God well fixed in your mind, remembered, cherished, and letting that Word become the discipline that works in you to keep your heart and your life right with God in Christ, walking in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Thank you for listening to this recording.